We've been talking a lot the past few days about cities that have been under siege from Russian forces. Mariupol in the deep south, in the south on the Azov Sea, has been obviously the one people have been paying a lot of attention to. But Kharkiv as well, Ukraine's second biggest city, population was 1.5 million people, has also been under Russian siege for weeks now, for the most of the war, actually. Um, it's still under government control tonight, but Russian attacks have been relentless. The city's historic downtown core has been all but decimated. It's hard to find food. Heat is out in many places. It's cold. On Tuesday, we spoke to Maria Avdieva, who is in Kharkiv, and she's been taking her phone each morning and documenting the devastation. She wanders out onto the streets simply with her phone and sort of talks to it. Here's how she described her hometown today. Hello, Maria Avdieva, Kharkiv, Ukraine, 11th of March. Uh, this is the area behind Kharkiv Regional State Administration that was heavily bombarded and uh, distracted because of the shellings. Uh, what you see now used to be one of the city business centers, now completely in ruins. And, uh, well, all over the place you see that the, there is the there, there's the signs of the war going on right here. And today it is so cold outside, minus eight, and freezingly cold. So this is what is Kharkiv now today. So hard to see it like this. But still, you see, the Ukrainian flag is here. So that means that we are winning this war. And we will stand and win. Slava Ukraine. Maria Avdieva in Kharkiv today. Minus eight, you can hear her feet, a sound that many Canadians know so well. You hear the crunching of the snow as she walks, which always tells you it's cold. Well, we first spoke to English teacher Svetlana Prestupa in Kharkiv 10 days ago. She, her sister, and her mom at that point had retreated to the hallway of their 16th floor apartment, lying on the ground, trying to stay away from windows because of the risk of flying glass as those Russian attacks continued and intensified. Here's how she described life 10 days ago. We tried to grab our coats and run outside to buy some food. But when we just open our door and step out, we hear the bombing again and we run back to the flats. So it's really hard to say when it's going to happen next. In in a minute, in an hour, we don't know. And it, and it's even yeah. scary to go to the bathroom or to the kitchen to grab some water or food because we don't know whether we sh should go somewhere near the windows and risk our lives or maybe stay, keep on staying in the corridor and lying and covering our heads. Well, we've kept in touch with Svetlana since then, um, and we know that she made the very difficult decision to leave her city and put a little bit of distance between themselves, her mom, her sister, herself, and those Russian attacks. So how did they make their move? What now? What next? I'm really happy to welcome Svetlana Prostupa back onto the show to give us an update. Svetlana, thank you so much for taking the time tonight. Uh, I really appreciate it. Hello. Thanks for having me again. Tell me what the last, uh, we spoke to you 10 days ago. I, I, I can only imagine, I can't imagine what the last 10 days have been like, but it sounds like you're somewhere quieter. Uh, how, how have those last 10 days been and, and what did you make, the, how did you make your decision to go? 
Um, we started thinking about uh, going somewhere, running away uh, sometime before. We actually did, uh, but I guess I remember that awful night. It, it's hard for me to say what day or date that was because everything is really messy in our heads right now. Uh, but we had a really, really scary night. We could hear the planes flying all over our district, our house. The sounds were really um, loud and scary. And I guess that was the time when I said, guys, we need we need to go because our dear Kharkiv is being destroyed and there are less and less buildings left and the chance of staying alive is getting down so we we need to save our lives because we really want to see Ukraine's victory and keep on living here we really love our country and we want to see what's going to happen next for it yeah i i i played that that clip of maria abdieva earlier we spoke to her earlier in the week uh, and just it, minus 8 today it's cold um i can imagine you know the chance of having heat it would have been a very tough time to stay to stay there how did you how did you manage to leave i imagine there's so many we saw pictures of Kharkiv's train station it was packed how did you manage to get out uh, the train stations uh, were and probably still are really, really crowded. And because of my big family, we have many people, my mom who walks with a cane, our pets uh, whom we couldn't abandon for sure. Uh, we decided that the train isn't really a good choice for us because we, we wouldn't survive the train. Uh, so we found some volunteers some brave, amazing people from a city which is four hours away from Kharkiv. They just started evacuating people uh, So from that city, which was uh, by that moment uh, quite safe. Uh, people rode, drove to Kharkiv, uh, which wasn't still is really dangerous, and they got people uh, and drove them out of Kharkiv. So we used uh, such volunteers' help uh, and drove in small buses with them. It must have been difficult. I mean, I can't imagine. It must have been a difficult decision to make, ultimately. I know you left for all the right reasons, but it's always, if we've spoken to other people too, it's always hard to leave home. It really is. It was a hard decision. I believed that I would stay. I really wanted to stay, but I got totally frightened that night and that that was i guess the right decision but it breaks my heart that many of people i love i know are still there and i'm really worried about them yeah you told me last time when we spoke that you would text each other every morning or text each other all the time just to make sure everyone was okay are you still doing that yeah, sure, sure. And like with, with everybody, all of my students, all of my friends, doesn't matter which city we are from. And we're constantly in touch, asking, trying to support. This is really good spirit. It, it really cheers us up. 
Yeah, I remember you, of course, you're an English teacher. And I remember you, one of the things that struck me so vividly about the last time we spoke is that you described the night before, the Wednesday night before the Thursday morning when all this awfulness began, having a normal class, teaching them laughing, and then walking home and then not seeing them again. Have you managed to stay in touch with, with any of your students? Yeah, sure. We are like texting and talking. Uh, some of the teachers from our school uh, have started offering free classes to like get back to some kind of normal. Uh, but many of the students are still in Kharkiv or they are moving somewhere. So f for some it's possible and some of the students are learning again and trying to feel the normal life. But many had to decline because they just don't have the opportunity. They are still hiding. How is everybody with you? How is your How is your mom? It must have been really hard for her too to, to have to go. It is uh, hard for her and it actually is hard for all of us, but she's trying to be strong. Uh, it's stressful. The, the road is stressful. We traveled from Kharkiv to the first city which is close to us and then we had one more uh, like jump from that city to the central part of Ukraine now we're here in the central part and traveling is stressful and living somewhere not knowing whether you're going to have a place to stay tonight is really hard we miss home we, we want to go back home and we hope that it's going to happen soon, I hope. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, I think everyone watching hopes that that will be the, the, the end result as well. Um, when we come back, I, I really want to ask you about what your, what your plans are. I, I know it must be difficult to make plans right now, but just where you are and, and where you hope to be uh, in the next few weeks. And, and you've started mentioning that already how difficult it is to, to be on the move. But millions, millions of people are on the move right now. And we, it's, it's, um, you know, it, it it's such a difficult thing to have to do, but I'm wondering if you're getting the kind of support you need, what we can do to what others can do outside to help and what you'd like people to know about uh, about the situation you find yourself in. And we'll do that right after this. I'm speaking with Svetlana Prestupa, an English teacher from Kharkiv who's left Kharkiv with her family um, after some very dangerous and scary nights, uh, along with, I gather, hundreds of thousands of others. I think uh, Maria Andrieva, uh, Avdeva was telling me that um, of 1.5 million, at least 500,000 have already left the city. What's it been like in terms of just the amount of help you're, you can get once you've left, once you're moving? Are you able to access help? Um, people can get help, I guess, all over Ukraine now because our local volunteers are doing everything they can. We receive a lot of help and support from uh, the world, uh, the countries that support us. Um, so it, it is possible to get some help. There's lots of uh, information about where you can go, who you can call. Uh, we haven't used that for now. Uh, we are trying to like do everything we can and stay, remain independent for some time and let other people who are in more need than us use that help but who knows maybe we'll also uh, have to ask yeah. for help 
That's a really interesting, um, it's really interesting you bring that up, this idea of just staying independent because you feel like there are others who are in, in worse positions than you are. I'm sure you've seen it even. Yeah, sure. I've, I've seen pictures of people, like 60 people lying in one small room, um, all in on, all on the floor. So this is, of course, good that they have where to stay there in a safe place, in a warm place. They have food. But of course, it's not okay in the 21st century when people don't live in their homes but leave yeah. like I even don't know what what to yeah. say here. No, are you sleeping okay? Are you feeling Are you feeling any better now that you're that you're somewhat not right in the middle of it? Yeah, thank God we can sleep now. But every loud voice is a huge concern for me because I start uh, listening closely, like what. What was that? Uh, and I, I guess I'm going to have this problem for many years after that because every sound uh, sounds like a rocket, a plane, and I'm really scared that this city we're in now, it's quite quiet for now, but who knows when the bombing can start here yeah, as that well. Must be, that must be a kind of, I guess it, it's just a, a reminder of just how vigilant how hyper vigilant you'd been that whole time even when we spoke to you when you were back home in in, in Kharkiv in your apartment when you look at the at what you might like to do or might want to do going ahead you spoke i think a bit maybe of of maybe going to another country at least temporarily is that still something that that you feel is an option for you uh our family is trying to discuss our like plans and for now two of us would like to stay in Ukraine and two of us would like to try and go temporarily for uh, to another country. Uh, I personally would like to try going somewhere because I would like to find a safe place where I can start making money because when the war finishes, uh, Kharkiv is going to need uh, me to restore and rebuild it. I would really love to help my country. And for that, I guess now I need to be useful and do something. I can imagine that's such a difficult conversation to try to, to try to figure out whether to stay or to go because it's, it, it's so emotional. It is right. So you, what does what does what does a day look? It's it's morning in, in in where you are now. What does today look like for you? What will you do? Actually, for the first couple of days when we arrived, it was we were busy with some like organizational matters, where to find a place to stay, where to buy food, to sleep a bit. So these were like kind of useless from the safe point of view days, but necessary for us to keep on living and maintain our bodies. Mm -hmm. Yesterday, I had a great chance to host the first two classes since the 24th okay. of February. I was really glad to do that. Oh, congratulations. Um, thank you. And today, I would really like to find a volunteer um, 
place and go and help and do something I can, maybe cook or sort uh, clothes or whatever is needed. I guess this is my plan for today. Just to keep busy and to feel like you're you're doing your part, I guess. Yeah. Svetlana Prostupa, thank you so much for speaking with us again. It's lovely to hear that you're in a safer place. Um, and obviously, we, we wish you safety, health, and uh, and and purpose uh, as this continues. And um, we hope to get some updates from you again to find out how you're doing. And we're all obviously thinking of you here and hoping that everything's okay. Thank you so much. I really appreciate what you're doing, your support. Thank you.